morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts 2. As we continue through the book of Acts, uh, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you were amazed? When was the last time that you were completely and totally amazed, astonished? In chapter 1 of Acts, Jesus had been appearing to the disciples after his resurrection. He'd been appearing to them for 40 days. And, uh, and chapter 1 talks about that. And then, and then Jesus, uh, he, he gives his disciples instructions to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of God, the promise of the Father, that he would send his spirit in power. And then he ascended to heaven after 40 days. And now here we are in chapter 2 on day 50. And we know that it's day 50 because it says when the day of Pentecost had arrived. The word Pentecost means 50. It's the, it's the 50th day after Passover. It, it was, a, it was a, a festival, a feast that Israel was uh, instructed to celebrate every year. Um, and it coincided with the, with the bringing in of the harvest, of the first fruits of the harvest. And so um, that's what Pentecost is. It's 50 days after the, the Sabbath at the end of Passover. And so this is 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. And... Uh, and 10 days after that, 40 days, he appeared to the disciples and the, the apostles. So here they are on, on day 50, and something happens that bursts the categories of what they maybe thought was possible or what they thought the future might look like. Something amazing, astonishing happens. And the question for us as we, as we look at this passage is, is, will you be amazed? Are you ready to be amazed? at what God does here. So listen to God's word as I read from Acts 2. I'm going to read Acts 2, verses 1 to 13. And uh, it's printed in your order of worship. You can follow along there. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound, like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at this passage and we see the work of your Spirit here, we pray that your Spirit would do a work in our hearts. And that your spirit would help us this morning to be amazed at what you have done and who you are 
what you're doing. We need you to speak. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a bunch of years ago, I remember um, being struck by something as I was walking through New York City. I was actually, I wasn't walking through New York City, I was walking under New York City. I was in the subway. And I was in um, the subway under, under Times Square. I, I don't travel in the subway that much, so um, when I, I think that might have been the first and only time I was in the subway station under Times Square, and I was just blown away by how big it was. Like, it, it, was, it was like there was so much space, so all these different, you know, labyrinth of tunnels, and, and then there was this space where you walked out, and there was, like, huge open space down there. I was like, man, it's like a city down here that I had no idea even existed. And there's, you know, there's so many people going through that subway station every day that, of course, there are um, people who are trying to earn money by playing instruments and playing music and, and doing all sorts of things. And in this kind of maybe this, this prime spot, you know, where, where there's like the biggest space and the most people walking by, there were these three guys who were playing drums. And they were going crazy. It was like, it was so loud. They were just banging these drums and they were like going nuts. It was like visually a spectacle that they were, that they were providing for everyone who was walking by. And, and the thing that struck me was that as, as amazing as this thing happening was, there were only a few people watching, and everybody else was just walking by as if it wasn't even happening. They just, it was like they didn't even exist. The, the, even the, the noise, the spectacle of it all, there's just people just like, you know, busy with their lives, just like walking by, not impressed in any way. In this passage in Acts, something happens that is loud, Something happens that is a spectacle, I would say, visually. And it defies understanding. And, and it's, it's, it has incredible significance for all of history. And you see people reacting here in this passage, right? You see these words that, that, that there, there are people who are amazed and bewildered, right? They're um, amazed. And uh, it says that they're amazed twice. It, it, it talks uh, about how they're, um, what, what, what other word does it use here? I, I missed it. Amazed and astonished, it says here. They're amazed and perplexed. Um, they were just blown away and, and even like questioning, well, what does this mean? This is so amazing. The thing is, I think that for us, even though the significance of this event is just as huge for every one of us sitting here as it was for the people sitting there, I'm afraid that a lot of us might just kind of read this passage and walk by, completely unimpressed, and fail to notice what God has done here. Fail to notice what this says about who God is. That in the busyness of our lives, you know, we might just like look at it and like maybe pick up a couple nuggets of, you know, information here as we look at it over the next few minutes, but then, you know, we're just, we're just so busy, we're just going to keep on walking today. But I, I hope, I pray that today as we look at these verses that, that we would be amazed, that we would be astonished and that it would have a lasting impact because there are some marvelous things that happen here. And so what, what does God do that is so marvelous? I just want to look at three things that God does that, is, that are marvelous here that will hope, hopefully move you to marvel, to be amazed. The first thing he does, it's as obvious as you can see, you know, he pours out his spirit. He pours out his spirit it's the, you know, so plain as day right here. You see the Spirit being poured out upon his people. This is something that God had promised he was going to do. 
for years and years and years, hundreds of years before this, in the Old Testament, there are places throughout the Old Testament where God promises that there's going to come a day when he's going to pour out his spirit on his people. Um, in the next passage, as, as Peter talks about what is happening, he's going to quote Joel, where it talks about how God is going to, to pour out his spirit on all flesh. This is a, a fulfillment of God's faithfulness. That, he, that he, it, This is what happens in, in response to what God has promised is going to happen. We read that passage earlier in the service from Ezekiel where God talks to, to Ezekiel and he shows him this, this valley of dry bones. And what does he say he's going to do? He's going to speak to the bones and, and this, the spirit is going to be poured out on these bones and they're going to come to life, right? This is, I think, a fulfillment, a fulfillment of what God promised to do, that he's going to pour out his spirit on his people. And this is also a fulfillment, a fulfillment of what Jesus said, just as he lived his life, right? He, he promised that he was going to, he was going to give his people, his spirit. In John 14, John 16, and then at the beginning of Acts, he said, you know, wait, right? Wait. He tells the disciples, wait, because the, the, for the, the promise of the Father, the spirit is going to come upon you. You will be baptized in the spirit of God. And this is what happens. You, you see it happen in dramatic fashion, right? It's loud. It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. A mighty rushing wind. It's, it's loud. So loud that, that it says people heard it, right? People hear, heard it. Devout men from every nation. They, at the sound, the multitude came together. The, all over Jerusalem, people heard this. It was so loud. Loud sounds. The, the loud rushing wind can be, um, actually, I think, intimidating and scary at times. Remember, I think I might have shared this before, but when we used to live in St. Louis, um, our kids were really small then, and... Uh, I remember always being afraid when there was like a, 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 a really dangerous storm in the area. There was always kind of, you had to watch out for tornadoes. And I'd, I'd heard people say that a tornado basically sounds like a freight train when it's coming through. That's what I always heard people say. And so Kim and I are in bed one night, and, and all of a sudden, I, there, there was a storm, and so we're kind of like on heightened alert, you know. And all of a sudden, I hear this sound. And it, what I find out later, it's, it's our... our grill, our Weber grill being dragged across the metal, you know, kind of um, fire escape out the back door. It, it gets, you know, blown across the fire escape, but, but I'm, I'm like thinking, it's a tornado. We, we're, I'm panicking. I'm like grabbing Kim. She was like partially asleep, so she's like panicking. We're like grabbing our kids. We're running downstairs. You know, it's, this, is, this is the kind of sound that they were hearing, right? Something that might cause people to panic. It definitely got people's attention. As God poured out his spirit, it was loud. It was visually stunning, right? As fire appears. Fire appears. As you look at the Old Testament, what is fire associated with? It's associated with the holiness of God, the justice of God, the judgment of God. Fire is associated with God purifying his people. And so there's this incredibly loud sound, and then there's this fire. What it looks like, fire, coming down. But it doesn't just come down in one place. It then divides, right? Verse 3 says, and, and divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each of them. And this is what's really significant, I think. Um, when, I, when I think about this, when I envision this, when I think about it, I often think about the picture in the story Bible that I read to my kids or that I, that I looked at when I was a little kid or what you know, they did on the flannel board in Sunday school. And, and it's you know, just these 12 guys sitting around a table with like a little flame of fire, like little candle, little candle men, you know? 
Um, but, you know, as, as you're reading this, what, you, what, what I realized is that in chapter 1, we skipped over this, this passage, but in chapter 1, it said that uh, the number of, of people that were together, of disciples, of brothers that were together, was 120. It wasn't just the 12 disciples sitting there. There were 120 of them, because it says when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And so I think it's, it's, it's the, the likelihood is that there's the 120 of, of them sitting around, and this fire comes down on all of them. That's a little bit more impressive, I think. But I think the, the significance of it is this, is that when God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit, he pours it out, not just on one person. As you look at the Old Testament, sometimes God's, God's spirit would fall on one person like David to do these amazing things. God's spirit falls, and then it divides, and it falls on every person individually. Every individual, every follower of Jesus there has a tongue of fire upon them. Is experiencing the power of God. This is what, what this passage is saying, is that, that God is, is pouring out his spirit, just as Jesus said, he's, he's pouring out his spirit on every single person who would, who would trust in him and follow him. That goes for the 120 here, that goes for you and me. God's spirit is given to every single one of you. God's spirit is given to me, his spirit of power, spirit of life, the same spirit, the the spirit of the living God, the same spirit that was present before anything else existed, that that was present in the creation of all things. The spirit that that, that is all-powerful, the spirit that is all-wise, the spirit of the living God himself poured out on all of his people individually. The Spirit of God poured out on you. Do you believe that the Spirit of the living God is, is with you, is living in you, is upon your life? This should astonish you that the Spirit of the one who made you, the one who, who rules over all things, the one for whom everything is made, is living and breathing in your life. Does that astonish you? It should. It should. You know, when I was a kid, I remember my mom getting so frustrated with me all the time because there would be many days when I'd be like, I'm bored. You know, no matter how many toys I had to play with. I've seen that happen in in my own household over and over again. You know, you've got all these amazing things to play with, all these amazing things that you can do in life, and the kids always end up saying, I'm bored. I'm bored. You're not allowed to say you're bored anymore if you believe, if you know that God has given you the spirit, his spirit of power living in you to work through you, to call you to a life of, of, that, that, is, that is supernatural, a life, if you, if you, you might say, a, a, a life that is magical. You're not allowed to say you're bored anymore because the spirit of the living God is living and breathing in your life you follow him. It's kind of like in, in the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know, the, these, these four kids go and live. I forget it's what relative it is. It's a grandfather, it's a grand, great uncle or something. I forget who, who it is they live with. But they go and live with them. They're living very ordinary lives, right? But then they find this wardrobe and they stumble through it and, they're, and, they, and they now are suddenly living in a world that is magical. A world that is supernatural. And, and it's a world that they are called to not just be ordinary people. They're called to be kings and queens and rule. If you believe in Jesus, he 
He has given you his spirit. He has called you to live in a world where anything is possible if he wants to use you. You're not allowed to say you're bored anymore. We need to raise our expectation of what God wants to do today, this afternoon, this week, where you're working, in your relationships, your friendships. We need to raise our expectations because the spirit of the living God is here. Wherever you go, he is here. So he pours out his spirit second thing he does, I think that's astonishing, is he pulls the doors wide open. He pulls the doors wide open. And I would, I would, I would argue, I think arguably maybe this is what this passage is about. Um, the primary point of this passage, the spirit falls and, the resu- and results in the disciples speaking all sorts of languages so that all these people from different nations can hear about the mighty works of God in their own tongues. That's what happens here, right? There's, there's all these people. It's, it's, it's normal that, that there are so many people from different nations here in Jerusalem at this time because it's this, it's this festival. And it's, and it's a, a, good, a time where it's good weather during the year, so a lot of people would travel, and the, Jerusalem would be filled with people from all over the place, people who are Jewish, who have, who have become Jewish, from all over the different nations. They've come to Jerusalem. And they would, they would probably be able to speak with one another in Aramaic, but, but they would all have their own native languages. And, and so, so there's, there's all these people from all these different nations, and all of a sudden they hear God speaking to them in their own language. And the point is this. It's, it's a point that God has been making from the very beginning of the Bible, that, that his message of love and power and life the message of, of the mighty works of God, which is the message of, of Jesus, what he has done in Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. It's not just for an exclusive little group. It's for everyone. It's for the nations. It's for the nations. God's been saying that from the very beginning, actually, um, in the Old Testament. I mean, he did choose a nation, Abraham and his descendants, but what, was his, what were his instructions to Abraham? To, to be a, a blessing to the nations. Their job was to be a light to point the rest of the world to the mighty works of God. That was what God wanted to do. He, he didn't just pick Israel so that they would just be a special people and everybody else got, you know, got excluded. They're the only guys on the list and everybody else gets pushed out. I remember when I was in college, I, uh, I, I, didn't, I wasn't very social. Um, you might be surprised to hear that. But I wasn't very social. That's sarcastic. Um, but I, I had friends who went out to parties all the time. My roommates went out to parties all the time. And one thing, one dynamic that I was very aware of is because I had friends that went to parties, there are all these parties in college that you, you had to be on a list to get in. You had to be on the list. And so my friends, my roommates, their week was occupied with trying to figure out how they can get on the list. That's, that's like, like 50% of their, of their life was figuring out how do I get on the list? Who do I know that can get me on the list? And sometimes they would think they're on the list and they would want to go to a party and they'd find out they're not on the list. And they'd turn around and come home just in utter defeat, just depressed. I didn't feel that bad for them. <laughs> but, but that's, you know, when it comes to the, to the proclamation of what God has done, he, he doesn't say, you know, you, you have to be on the list to hear about what I've done. He, his offer goes out to all the nations. He wants to gather people to himself from everywhere, from all nations, from all different kinds of people. You don't have to be a certain kind of person 
to be in God's family. You don't have to be from, you don't have to have a certain heritage to know God and to be in his family. You don't have to dress a certain type of way. You know, you don't have to talk a certain type of way. The beauty of this is that, that God's call goes out to, to all the earth, all the nations. What he wants is, is beauty and diversity in his family. In the way that, that people, his call goes out. Yes, we have to respond to him and trust in him. But his call, his invitation, he opens the doors wide. He says, come, come. And, and this maybe was, was something that, that the Israelites, a lot of the Jewish people needed to hear, needed to know, because they, a lot of people, they, they kind of had, had gotten it in their heads that, you know, God chose me. You know, it's all about us. You can't come in. But a big part of Acts is God saying, no, no, let them come. My offer of love and power, the mighty works of Jesus were accomplished, not just for you, but for everybody else. And do you, do you realize that, like, we, we are so, you know, um, self-centered. Uh, we think that, like, you know, United States is the center of the world. Um, but do you realize that, that we are the beneficiaries of what happens here in Acts 2? When, when in, in chapter 1, when, when, when Jesus tells the disciples, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the rest, to the ends of the earth, that's us. We're the ends of the earth. We're the ends of the earth. I mean, at, at that time, they were thinking Rome is the farthest thing possible. We're, we're like another planet. We're like another solar system. We are the beneficiaries of what happens here because we are the nations no matter where your ancestors have come from, most of you, almost all of you, are the nations. And so that is astonishing news, that God wouldn't just focus his attention just on this one little group of people, but that he actually pursues the nations and has come to you. He's come to you to say, I want to love you. I want you my family. That should astonish us. Um, so he pours out his spirit. He pulls the, wide the door, doors. And, and, and lastly, he pushes past obstacles. He pushes past obstacles. This is what God's spirit accomplishes. You have all these people in Jerusalem, as I said, from different nations because of the feast that's going on. There's all sorts of things that divide people, right? The way that we look, the way that we dress, even our accents divide us, our customs divide us. One thing certainly that divides us is our language barriers, right? Um, I, when I, whenever I go on vacation, Kim, Kim and I talk about, you know, where would you like to go? You know, what's your dream vacation? And I always talk about, I only want to go somewhere where they speak English because I'm just like stressed out when I go somewhere and I don't speak English, you know? I need to open my, you know, expand my, my horizons a little, I'm sure. But, uh, but that's one thing. Language is a barrier. And what does God do here? Blows that barrier out of the water. He says, I want these people to hear about what Jesus has done. I want these people to hear about the fact that Jesus is alive. And so he speaks to them through the disciples in their own tongues, in their own languages. Yeah, they, they probably could communicate, maybe with Aramaic, things like that, but, but he speaks to them in the language that is native to them, in their home language, in the, native that, that, in the language that is comfortable for them. God breaks past these barriers in order to speak his love to the people that are there. 
And that, that's, that's the entire current of the gospel. You realize that. This is the, the dynamic of the gospel is this, that, that God is committed to loving us so much that, he's, that the no barrier is too great for him to, to destroy and to remove. That is the message of the gospel. Every single person who's ever lived has put up our own barrier against him. And the Bible calls it sin. You know, we, we have lived our lives according to our own standards and desires and wants. And we put this barrier up between us and God. And God says, no, that's not going to stop me. And that's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross. When he died on the cross, he broke down that barrier. And he rose from the dead. And he, and he destroyed the barrier of, of, of the judgment of our sin and of death. That is what the gospel is about. It's about a God who is, is completely into just destroying walls so that he can get to you. So that he can get to you. So that you can know that he loves you. That should astonish us. I mean, yes, he's, he's gone through the barrier of our sin, but, but there's all sorts of other barriers that, that could have kept each of us from, from knowing God. And, and God, if you look at the story of your life, if you know Jesus, you can probably look back and look at, look at all sorts of barriers that God moved out of the way so that you might know him and know the message that will give you life in Christ. He pushes past the obstacles. So uh, these are things should astound us. They should amaze us. They should move us to worship. I mean, hopefully all of us, we should be like, I, I can't wait to, to even sing today. I want to sing of, of a God who pours out a spirit on me that, that, that I don't have to be defined by my sin. I don't have to fear death. You know, that, that passage in Ezekiel, that, that it's not just, I mean, I love that story in Ezekiel about the dry bones. Read it today. Rest of chapter 30, 36, 37, read it and see what God does. But it's, it's, it's not just a cool story. This is the reality of what he wants to do in your heart through the Spirit today. That is why we have hope in the midst of the brokenness of our world, the brokenness of our lives the pain and the loss of our lives, that is why we have hope, because we have a God, a God who wants to, to pour out the life-giving spirit into our lives. They should astound us. They should move us to worship. Whether we were there on the day of the first day of Pentecost or sitting here now, a couple thousand years later, but, but it shouldn't just move us to worship. It should, it should change the way that we, that we interact with people, too. It should, it should alter the way that we interact with the people that we know. Because if this is who God is, that he's a God who pours out his spirit, that he's a God who, who breaks down barriers, that he, he, he's a God who, who opens wide his doors, it should you know, cause us to see the people around us differently as well. Because I, I know that there are probably times in my life when, when just in the the casual uh, interaction that I have with people, with maybe other, other parents of, of kids at our school or our, on our, our soccer team or our neighbors, you know, the way that I act, the way that I fail to even befriend them might suggest to them, especially since they know that I'm a pastor, might suggest to them that I think that, that, that you know, God's doors are closed. 
God's doors, I, the people that know you should, should at least know that you believe that God's doors are wide open. That God wants them to know that he loves them. When we think about barriers, I, I think a lot of times I, I, I was convicted this past week. Um, I, I, uh, the littlest ones are, are playing soccer this year, and so I, I took them to soccer practice, and, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try to, to build a friendship with some of the other parents, just to, just to, to befriend them, to, to love them, to get to know them. And so I go to soccer practice, and, and there, you know, all the, all the parents are standing on the sideline, and it's, it's mostly all moms, so there's already that barrier. It's kind of awkward, you know, but there's a, there's a dad there, you know? So there's, there's one dad there, and he's standing just like right where the, the stand is. I'm standing here, you know, and, and he's got like a little baby with him and another little girl and then a kid out on the soccer field. And I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, you know, strike up a conversation just to get to know him. And, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, getting up the courage to do this. And then, I, and then I overhear him talking to his kids, and he's talking in Spanish. And so I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be so hard to, to, like, communicate with him. I'm sure he probably speaks English, but I, I don't know. Like, it's, that's just too great of a barrier for me to, like, deal with it right now. So I'm confessing, you guys. I, I put my earbud back in, and I just listen to some music instead of talking to him. You know, if I believe that God is into breaking barriers. You know, I don't, have to, I don't have to count on him causing me to speak in tongues as I go talk to this dad. He might. I don't have to count on it. But, but what I can count on is that as I go and say, hi, I'm Jeff, that God is going to work to break down barriers that we can actually get to know each other, even in the midst of the limitations of our ability to communicate, right? I should be so amazed and astounded by, by how God wants to move towards people and break down barriers that, that I want to do that with him. And so let's do that this week. Let's do that with this week with the people that we work alongside, maybe with family members, maybe with friends or maybe with a neighbor. Let's do that. Because what God wants to do through you will, I guarantee you, astound you and amaze you and astonish you just as much as what he has done for you. So we're left in the last verse of this passage with people who, instead of marveling at what God is doing, if you look in verse 13, what do they do? They mock what God is doing. They say, ah, oh, these guys are just drunk. They've been, they've been hitting the sauce. It's just, they've been just drinking too much. That's why they're acting so weird. That's why this is, this is just this crazy thing is happening. They've just been drinking too much wine. And the question, I think that, that leaves us. The next passage, we're going to see how Peter answers that question or, or answers that concern. But I think that, that verse, that, that line, that I think that conf- should confront each of us as you think about what God has done here, what God is doing today, what he's done for you, the question for you is this. Will you marvel at what he has done? Or will you mock what he has done? Will you fail to be impressed and walk right by? 
will you fail to take it seriously? Will you be so busy with everything else that you got going on, the stuff that you're stressing out about, the stuff that you have to get done, the stuff that you want to do, you know, the things that, that occupy our minds, you know, just even seeing the game later, right? Or will you be so busy with these things that you will fail to be astounded and to marvel at this God who has poured out his spirit today? This God who, who is, is committed to opening his doors and to reaching people no matter what the barriers are with his love. How are you going to respond to him today? Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us um, today as we think about your mighty works, as we think about Jesus, his sacrifice for us on the cross, his resurrection, that, that we wouldn't just treat it as, a, as an interesting story that we can walk by, but that you would move in our hearts, that your spirit would even move in your, our hearts. We need your spirit to help us to, to be astonished. I pray that your spirit would move in us to, to, to live differently this afternoon than we did yesterday. We praise you. We thank you. Help us to love you. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.